The following program is not microwave safe. When you need a private eye and times are tough, you may not have the resources to afford George Valentine, Eddie Valiant, Barry Craig, or Martin Kane. So who can you turn to except... T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. Yes, T-Bone Stone gives you more value for your covert detection dollar. Today's exciting episode is called The Case of the Galloping Gorgon and stars Jake Vandebrake as T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. We open the story with T-Bone arriving at his office. Big Lug, it looks like you're hitting on all eight this morning. What? I'm hitting on all eight this morning? What does that mean? Hitting on all eight, you know, like all eight cylinders. It means you look like you're feeling good. Uh, I did stop at Java Jake's for, as Rosie called them, a stack of Vermont and a cup of Joe. You mean a stack of wheats and Java. Verna, what's going on? Are you taking a night class in linguistics? I thought you wanted to learn about particle physics. Been there, done that, T-Bone. Now I'm reading Gil Granite novels by Chandler Jacobs. This one is called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. What's a Gil Granite? He's the toughest gum heel to ever pack heat. You know, hacksaw. Peeper? Nooper? Detective? A detective book, Verna. Gumshoe stuff happens around here all the time. All the time? With the exception of those times when my mama was involved, all I do is answer the phone, greet clients, direct them into your office, and fetch standard contracts. Oh, and I get to make coffee, too. But Verna, you're my faithful secretary and confidant. You're an important member of the team. Team Shmeem. In the book, Gil Granite Private Eye takes on Gil all... Granite Private Eye? That's the best this Chandler guy could come up with? As I was saying, in the book, Gil Granite Private Eye takes on all kinds of mob kingpins, brunos, buttonmen, hatchetmen, and crooks. He gets trapped behind the eight ball and then lambs off in a hail of slugs and puts the goons in the hooskow without losing his cheaters or wrinkling his suit. Is this all in that one book? Of course not, T-Bone. There are a whole series of Gil Granite books by Chandler Jacobs. There's uh, Rocky Foundation, Stone Cold Corpse, Art is a Rock, and Deader Than a Box of Rocks. I hope you realize that's not the way detective work happens. Just let me tell you about the book. Well, I don't know, Verna. T-Bone, sit. Yes, ma'am. Whatever you say, ma'am. Shut your pie hole and cool your heels, peeper. Just pay attention and maybe you'll learn something. Anything you say, ma'am. I'll act as narrator. Gil Granite is pacing the floor in his office. His sometimes secretary and more often sidekick, Dolly Heartbreaker, is filing her nails. Dolly Heartbreaker? What a name! What are you talking about? That's a perfect moniker. I love Dolly. If some palooka crosses her, she breaks his heart. Literally. Now quit flapping your gums. Yes, ma'am. Sorry, ma'am. As I was saying, first thing in the morning, Gil Granite is pacing the floor in his office. 
His sometime secretary and most of the time sidekick, Dolly Heartbreaker, has just arrived and is filing her nails at her desk. What's wearing you, boss? That canary Maisie Muldoon from Club 42 called after you left here yesterday and wants to jaw. That dame? She can't sing a note. She just skulks around the stage in those slinky outfits and the men all think she's the bee's knees. Speaking of that joint, do you know why it's called Club 42? Haven't you seen the billboard? Come to Club 42. It's twice as good as the 21 Club. So what's the skinny boss, man? Don't know. She said it was important and she'd grease by this morning. Just then there was a knock at the door. We ain't got no door, man. Come on in. Jeepers, Gil. This ain't the Ritz, is it? Hello, Gil. I see your secretary is as tactful as ever. Better tactless than tacky, kitten. Cut the cackling, you two hens. Maisie said on the horn she had something important to spill. Dolly, would you go powder your nose or whatever you do while the dame and me talk? Duck suit, boss. I'll am on over to Henry's hash house and put some breakfast in my gullet. You can drop a dime if you need me quick. Quite a dame you got there. Is she as tough as she talks? Let me put it this way. You don't want to meet her in a dark alley if she's mad. Or even if she ain't. But enough jibber-jabber. What can I do for you, Maisie? You know Leonard Maxwell? The manager of Club 42? Yeah, I've met him. That gin joint of his has gotten too hoity-toity for me. Well, last week he confided in me that he was having financial problems and was afraid for his life. Is he into some Shylock? Yeah. He said the juice was more per week than he thought it would be. And business ain't doing as well as he'd hoped. Well, Maisie, any guy who borrows from a Shylock ain't nothing but a patsy. I'm afraid he's going to get himself killed by some goons hired by the Shylock. These creeps ain't saps. Do you think he'd get his cabbage if he knocks Leonard off? Well, no. But he's been threatened. Those torpedoes would break his legs or shiv his pretty face. They ain't about to ice him. Oh, Gil, is there anything you can do? <sighs> I think I'm in love with the palooka. Do you know how much he's in hawk to the guy? Leonard wouldn't say, but it's gotta be a bundle. He used the money to spruce up the club, you know, to give it more class. Go tell him I'll see him later today. But to be square with you, Maisie, short of him paying off this Shylock, I'm afraid your Leonard is sitting right behind the eight ball. There's not much I can do. Thanks for seeing him, Gil. I'm sure you'll think of something... You're more useful than a left-handed hammer. I don't know what that means, but thanks, Maisie. Right back at you. I gotta go now. I'll tell Leonard you'll be by later today. Maisie Muldoon walked to the door and then turned and smiled at me. That smile worked like soup on a safe. You're a stand-up guy, Gil. And I won't forget you. I sat behind my desk to focus my noodle. But before I could do much thinking, the phone rang. Gil Granite, Private Eye. If this is News Hawk, I don't know nothing about nothing. 
If not, what can I do for you? This is Detective Graves, Granite. I need to see you. Does this mean you'll take time out of rubber-hosing confessions out of innocent mugs to jaw with me? Break up the nonsense, P.I. I'm here at the Rockingham Building, and I'm looking at... The Rockingham Building. That's a fancy place. You're moving up in society. Did they make you police commish? Plug your yap, Seamus. I'm standing here looking at the late Robert L. Rockingham. He has two slugs in his chest. What's that got to do with me? He happens to be holding your business card in his right hand. Granite Private Eye in Between a Rock and a Hard Place is a part-time radio production written by award-winning crime author Chandler Jacobs. Buy all your Gil Granite novels at Brook Cook's Book Nook. Come on, Verna. This is ridiculous. Zip it, T-Bone. There's still more. As we return to the program, Gil Granite has just heard some disturbing rumble from Detective Graves of the police department. I'm standing here looking at the dead body of Robert L. Rockingham. He has two slugs in his chest and is holding your business card in his left hand. I didn't bump the guy off. I didn't even know the guy. You know I don't move around with the champagne and canopy set. I know, Granite. And because you're a stand-up guy, I decided not to send a patrol car to pick you up. It's thanks for the work you did on the Ben Quar murder last year. But I still say you didn't need to break Art Phillips' jaw. I told you, I never broke the mug's jaw. It was Dolly. The creep insulted her, and she didn't like it. Didn't like it? That little chin music of hers put him in the infirmary with his chops wired and feeding tubes to keep him alive. Well, he shouldn't have oughta said what he said. Listen to me and listen good. I don't like the way you do things, Granite, but you can be useful at times. I didn't send a squad of uniforms to pinch you because I want to give you the chance to clear your name. Besides, Art Phillips is in Sing Sing in line for the Big Fry anyway. I can lay him on over, but first I gotta see a guy. How long you gonna be there? Change your schedule, Granite. Get here now, or this guy can visit you in the cooler. Well. I guess that puts me between a rock and a hard place. I'll gather up Dolly and head over. I know where the Rockingham building is. Just make sure none of your coppers hassle us when we get there. As far as your partner Dolly goes, keep her on a short leash, P.I., or you'll both be having slop in the Gray Bar Hotel tonight. If you know what I mean. I'll try, Graves. But a bit of advice, Detective. Don't look her straight in the eyes. I slammed down the Amici and lammed up the door. The first thing I saw was Dolly waiting for me. I gave her the hot dope about Graves and Maisie and returned to get my bucket of bolts out of the garage down the street. On the way, we was approached by Sammy Little. He's a local newsie who knows a lot, probably more than he should. Extra, extra, you read all about it. Murder rocks high society. Hey, Gil, you got two bits for the scandal sheet? Two bits? You kidding me? 
I can get one at the newsstand down at Wicker's Drugstore for a dime. Maybe, Gil, but old man Wicker can't give you the rumble about the Rockingham murder like I can. You got some clairvoyant power we don't know about? I don't know nothing about no Claire, chick. But I can give you the skinny about some underhanded business dealings Mr. Robert L. Rockingham had with one Benny Bad Breath Bonzino. Tell you what, kid. Here's a buck. Give me the lowdown, and if it's on the up and up, I'll give you a fin, or maybe a sawbuck later. Eggs in the coffee, Gil. Benny Bad Breath Branzino sold Rockingham a racehorse, a real nag from what I hear. After one race, Rockingham wanted his money back. Rumor has it, Benny wasn't happy and refused. That's it? Yeah. I'm not that Claire chick. That's all I got. Do you think that's enough of a reason to bop someone? You're the detective. You figure it out. That's worth a sawbuck. Or a fin at least, ain't it? I'll let you know, kid. Come on, Dolly. Let's grab my car and get on over to the Rockingham building and scope what's what with Detective Graves. Extra, extra, read all about it. Robert Rockingham gets bumped. We stepped into Otto's auto park and headed toward my space. Before getting to the car, four goons stepped out of the shadows and surrounded us. Are you Gil Granite? Who wants to know, Ace? He stepped nose to nose with me. His breath smelled like a weak old trash can, with a tiny splash of sense in. The name's not Ace, Jack. The name's not Jack, Ace. You two lovebirds want to head over to the malt shop? I'll buy you a root beer float. With two straws. He took a step back and gave her the once over. Who's the dame, Jack? She's no dame. She's my secretary. Secretary, huh? Before he could finish the thought, I smacked him on the side of his mug, turned him around and put the bear hug on him from behind. Thanks, boss. As she was speaking, Dolly hit the closest guy to her on the puss, and before he hit the ground, the guy next to him was doubled over from a kick to the jewels. She turned to face number three as he scampered off faster than a gazelle on the Serengeti. You want I should smack the guy you're hugging? No thanks, Dolly. He's about to tell me who sent him to strong-arm the wrong gumshoe. You say she's your secretary? Yeah, you should see her take shorthand. Now give, creep. Or I'll let Dolly take some dictation. If you knows what I mean. Dolly smiled. No, no please. We were sent by Luther King. Go tell Luther my dance card is full. If he wants, I could send Dolly over to talk with him. Now. Pick up the garbage and get out of here. With Dolly giving him the hairy eyeball, the goon I had let loose helped one of the other guys up, and with the third guy limping behind, they hightailed it out of there. Dolly smiled with satisfaction. A little scuffle after breakfast always puts me over the moon. Never a dull day with you, boss. I just love to watch you work, Dolly. Come on, let's blow. We need to get on over to the Rockingham building. I had Dolly drive so she could drop me off in case there was no place to park. Traffic was as heavy as two-ton Tessie after a full meal. A couple of times I had to restrain Dolly from leaving the car and thumping the conk of some nincompoop hack driver who was gumming up the works. We finally got to Rockingham Place, and the cops had the whole street blocked off. I told the copper Detective Graves wanted to see me, and he motioned us through. 
This must be a big deal if they blocked off the whole stinking street. This Rockingham fellow was a made man in city politics. There's the morgue meat wagon up there. Park over there and stay in the car. There's a few more cops around than even you could handle. I doubt that. But sure thing, boss. She pulled over to the curb and I hopped out. Detective Graves was escorting the gurney with the body out the building and walked over when he saw me. You took your sweet time, peeper. I told you to get here now, not to lollygag around all day. Luther King sent four of his punks over to put the snatch on me. Yeah? How'd that come out? Not good for them. Dolly taught them a little two-fisted lesson in courtesy. Luther won't be too happy, but that's tough for him. Tell you what, Seamus, I'll have him picked up on a trumped-up charge and release him after dinner. That'll keep him off your keister for a while. Thanks, Graves. But Dolly and me can take care of ourselves. Okay. It's your funeral. So what's up? I thought you wanted me to scope out the dead guy. I decided there's not much to see. My guys picked over the crime scene pretty well. Nothing out of the ordinary, except your card in his hand. I figure with his dough, he could hire someone a little higher class than you and the bimbo over there. So what's up with the card? I think it was planted. Did you just call Dolly a bimbo? I wouldn't say that too loud, detective. You could end up like Lucky Pierre in a Dolly fist sandwich. I've seen her in action, Gil. And you got a point there. You have any idea why the stiff would catch two slugs and have your card? I can't tell you where I got this dope. But you might want to look into a bangtail recently bought by the late Rockingham from one Benny Bad Breath Bronzino. Gil Granite Private Eye in Between a Rock and a Hard Place is a part-time radio production written by award-winning crime author Chandler Jacobs. Visit Brooke Cook's Book Nook for all your Gil Granite needs. Can we go now, Verna? This is ludicrous. Shut your yap, T-Bone. It's getting to a good part. Yes, ma'am. Sorry, ma'am. As we return to the next act of our program, Gil Granite has just given Police Detective Graves a crucial bit of information. I can't tell you where I got this dope. But you might want to look into a bangtail recently bought by the late Rockingham from one Benny Bad Breath Bronzino. Benny Bronzino? Isn't he a small-time bookie? You're the police. You figure it out. Can I have a moose now? Go on. I know where to find you. I jumped in the car. Dolly popped the clutch, and we were off. Where to, boss? I'm getting itchy for some action. I don't want to see Leonard Maxwell. He's a patsy for getting mixed up with a Shylock. Let's go over to the joint Luther uses as an office. Where's that, boss? I hear he moved out of the old place. Yeah, he was having a hard time with the Cooley Hill gang. I never heard about those two going to the mattresses. They didn't. Cooley Hill gang and Luther had a powwow, and Luther moved his boys out to a pool hall on Rockford Road. What's the joint called? Get this. Pookie's Pool Hall. Pookie's Pool Hall? Betcha he changed that name fast. I'll ask him about it. It's half a mile from the racetrack. 
Relax, boss. I'll get us there quick. She was right. Before I could have snuffed out a stogie, we pulled up to Pookie's Pool Hall. Looky there, Gil. Pookie's Pool Hall is right next door to the Binghampton Billiard Parlor. Come on, let's go in. But control yourself. These guys are probably on pins and needles about how you thumped them this morning. I'll give it my best shot, boss. The room was large with quite a few pool tables in precise rows. Each table had a box of lights hanging above. The lights were turned on over just a few of the occupied tables. It must have been a slow day since only a couple of the tables were occupied. I noticed the other door. The one under the Binghamton Billiard Parlor sign outside opened into the same space. We walked in and spied a group of Bruno wannabes congregating in the back corner of the room. I recognize a couple of those mugs from earlier. Relax, Dolly. I see Luther with that bunch of mugs. I want to talk to him alone in his office. Let me check my makeup before we get over there. She pulled out a compact and took a gander as we approached the group. Her makeup must have been flawless, cause she smiled and snapped the compact shut. The Bruno wannabes stood up as we approached. Easy, boys. We don't want any trouble, Granite. Oh, really? Then why the fuss this morning? You couldn't get on the horn with an invite? Cool it, kitten. Luther, I want to talk with you in private. We're gonna leave Dolly here all alone with my boys? That don't seem fair. You're right, Luther. You need to get some more guys. Mind your P's and Q's, gentlemen. Dolly don't want her mascara to run. Let's go in my office, Gil. And you mugs, don't start anything. Don't worry, Luther. If they start something, I'll finish it. Luther and I stepped through a nearby door. Just before Luther closed the door, I glanced at the scene. Dolly was holding her ground with a smile on her face. The Bruno wannabes were facing her. It was a classic Mexican standoff. I wondered what it would look like when I came back out. You realize she put a real scare into my boys after they came back from seeing you this morning. I had to hold her back from sending them to the hospital. It was a good lesson for them, I guess. A few bruises and scrapes will teach those hoods some manners. So, Pookie's Pool Hall. You're gonna change that name, ain't ya? I bought the place from Pookie Maxwell. He's one of the best pool sharks around. He retired back to the old country a few months back. So why have two doors with different names leading into the same establishment? Because Binghamton Billiard Parlor attracts a higher class clientele, and Pookie's Pool Hall is for ordinary Joes. Once they come in, they're too embarrassed to walk back out. Enough chit-chat, Gil. What you want? Let's make this quick before another world war starts out there. Couple weeks ago, you told me Boss Salisbury is expanding his numbers racket across the bridge. You got any more information I could pass on to the authorities? Gil, I don't want to be turned into fish food if the word gets out I was stolen to a P.I. All I know is rumor has it Salisbury is bringing in a brainiac from the West Coast to oversee the operation. Got a name? No, but I'll keep my ears open. Just then, we heard a ruckus out in the main room. Luther and I looked at each other and frowned. We both bolted for the door. By the time Luther opened it, the sound had stopped. Dolly was standing beside a heap of thugs lying on the floor. 
The ones at the top were nursing their various injuries, and she, she was powdering her nose. They shouldn't open their yaps. Aw, oh, dang. I broke a nail. Luther, you gotta teach your guys to watch their mouth. I'm sure you got that respect now, Dolly. Okay, okay, Verna. That's enough. I can't believe you read that tripe. But T-Bone, Dolly Heartbreaker is my hero. She takes good care of Gil. And Gil is handsome and brave. That's enough, Verna. I got serious work to do here. Read that stuff if you want, but just don't think it has anything to do with real detective work. So, what's up? We got any cases? No, boss. I guess I'll just finish my book. I guess I'll be in my office. Hey, boss, want to try this one? It's called Don't Rock the Boat. Sure, Verna. Toss it over. You've been listening to T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective, a very amateur broadcast theater production starring Jake Vandebreak as T-Bone Stone, Gil Granite, and Luther King. With Gloriana Spicer as Verna Gibson, Paula Morris as Dolly Heartbreaker, Kirk Spicer as Sammy Little, Stephanie Isis as Maisie Muldoon, and Rick Ice as Detective Graves and Luther's Goons. The Case of the Galloping Gorgon was written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. Be sure to catch our next show when T-Bone says... A bumpkin stattered shirt, a paper on Benford's Law, and a crate of Roscoe's spell a badger game. In the case of the unusual side effect. The art director is George Venegas, music by Fezlian Studios. This is the announcer speaking. The authentic Gilgranite shoulder holster and snub-nosed police special cap gun is not yet available. Ah.